This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster. And this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. We have two, count them, two episodes of Lower Decks to review today. The first two episodes of season four. So before we get into those, although we're excited to do it, we have a little bit of news to cover. Not a lot. And the first is about, we've talked about this a little bit before, very short treks. Well, we haven't talked about that name. That's true. The name is new. We've referred to these as animated shorts, promotional shorts, these the things that were announced at Comic-Con as part of this celebration of the 50th anniversary of the animated series. So these are literally very short animated spots done in the style of filmation back, you know, in the 70s. They were now given the name Very Short Treks to play off short treks. However, there's some major differences with short treks and these. Well, the biggest one besides the length is that these are not canon, which as soon as you watch one, you will know that. Yeah, they actually won't be on Paramount Plus, which is another clue. You know, they're not part of the Star Trek canon. They are promotional spots. So uh, they'll be on StarTrek.com and they'll be on YouTube. So there's a total of five of them. Uh, The first one comes out on Star Trek Day, along with the Star Trek Day special. Which is today, if you're listening. Exactly. Happy Star Trek Day. Happy Star Trek Day. We should have started with that. Happy Star (laughs) Trek Day, everybody. So the special goes out at midnight Pacific. The very short Trek episode goes out later in the morning. Maybe, you know, check back at noon Pacific. It should be up by then, I think. So even though they're not canon, there's a lot of legacy characters and voice actors. Voice actors as the characters you know them as. You know, they're voicing their characters that are familiar to you. Jonathan Frakes, Doug Jones, we've talked about some of those. Ethan Peck, Gates McFadden, Celia Rose Gooding, Connor Trenier, back as Trip Tucker, which is fun. Bruce Horak, Noel Wells, and George Takei. This is put together by this guy named Casper Kelly, who's had a small uh, part in Star Trek before he worked on the short treks, The Trouble with Edward. He made the little weird uh, serial commercial. He's mostly known for his work on Adult Swim, um, and it's very edgy stuff. But Aaron Watke actually wrote one of these. Uh, Someone else wrote one of the other ones. But it's mostly this guy's Casper's vision. He also wrote a comic book, which comes out on Star Trek Day digitally for free that's tied into these as well and they'll they'll have physical copies at new york comic-con i think they said yeah so maybe you can get one if you go yeah on a side note for new york comic-con you know because there's no star trek day this year event like they've done previously i expect they will try to do some stuff at comic-con especially if the strikes are over by then so like a disco panel and stuff like that. So it'll right. probably be a big event. Very depending on the strikes. Dependent on the strikes. Yeah, I'm just hoping by October. Things are getting so bad now that I know there's pressure on all sides to you know wrap that up. But, you know, we're getting sidetracked. So back to <laughs> very short tracks. Uh, both of us have had a chance in advance to see the first one, uh, which right. comes out on Star Trek Day. And it's called Skin a Cat. What would you think? So my overall, it's so funny because to me, it reminded me a lot of why I stopped watching Saturday Night Live, which is that things would start out funny and great. And then about halfway through, I would be like, okay, I got it. And but it's still going. And so I thought this, this made me laugh out loud at the beginning. And halfway through, I was done and it was still going. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that's an accurate thing. I mean, I, I like it. I like the style. I like the humor, but it is kind of a joke that goes on. It, it, and in a way, that's kind of Casper's style itself. If you've seen the thing that kind of got him first noticed is this adult swim thing called Too Many Cooks. And it's like this fake opening sequence of a bad 90s sitcom. And it's just this weird sequence that just introduces hundreds of characters for one show. And it's funny, but it like literally goes on too long. That's the joke. So I, in a way, I feel like Casper knows that he's taking it too long. It's kind of like a family guy does the same thing where you take a joke too far almost. 
Well, it's also that danger with some comedy where if you parody something well enough, you become as annoying as the thing you're making fun of because now you're just doing it. So, but in this case, I have to say, like, I thought the animation style was great. They nailed it. They completely, they made it look great. Having Ethan Peck there was very fun. Right. So this, so this is set on the original series bridge. Peck is Spock. For Kirk is they brought in um, Pete Holmes, who I'm I'm a fan of. In general, I love, you know, like his Batman stuff and so many things he's done is very funny. I, I thought he did a good job, actually. Well, I, d- I didn't even look the, bu- it didn't look the way Kirk looked in the show. So I was like, is that supposed to be Kirk? Like, I wasn't even sure it was Kirk. I was like, it's a captain, mm-hmm. but he doesn't sound like Kirk and he doesn't look like Kirk. He doesn't look like Kirk in the filmation show. So, and he doesn't act like Kirk. So whatever. But it did start out funny, and I did laugh out loud at the absurdist funny, like the cat, and then the fish, and then this the knickers. That made me laugh out loud for sure. Right. Um, so <laughs> that's yeah, when it we're spoiling it, it a bit. But yeah, it's so these are worth checking out. They're worth every penny you're going to pay for them on when you watch them on StarTrek.com for free. And they're not canon. Yeah, I think some people will be bent out of shape over you know how edgy these things are. But once you realize they're not supposed to be like short treks part of canon, I think you could just accept them for what they are, which is silly promotional spots. And it's a bit more Star Trek content for 2023. You know? Yeah, they're goofy. They're fun. They're short. So yeah. and if you don't like it, then you're done and you move on. The one that Aaron wrote, I'm intrigued about. It's called Holograms All the Way Down. I'm I, I think he's hinted <laughs> that it's going to have a lot of. Legacy. I, I think he tried to cram as much, you know, knowing Aaron because he's such a nerd. He's it's going to be just wall to wall, over the top, almost a parody of his himself of the Star Trek references that he likes to put into his episodes. And is his? I think his is the one with Trip Tucker. Did I hear that or no? I, I think I it's got every, in my head. I think it's got as many as he could cram in there. You know, so I don't know who's in there, but I think more than one, like right. prob- maybe more than five, like. So, uh, which is hard to do. Unless you're Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> he's it, done it's... it before. He'll do it again. And he's good at it. So, <laughs> so we'll see. Being that Star Trek Day, you'll want to check out the special that's hosted by. Jerry O'Connell. You know, we'll have that on our site. It's going to be everywhere. They're going to be airing this on TV channels. I haven't seen it, but my sense is. It's not a replacement for Star Trek Day. They're not going to use this for big announcements. It's just kind of a celebration of Star Trek. I think it's like half an hour. You know, if you're a hardcore fan looking for like, you know, reveal something big to me, that's not what this thing is. It's almost like a promotion for Star Trek as a notion. Right. You're not going to see scenes from upcoming anything, I don't think. <laughs> well, the, you know, the, the, they're going to there's going to be something yet. there's going to be something from Discovery you know, they've already, you know, but it's probably going to be stuff we've seen from the trailer and the clip. Um, they've released a surprising amount of season five discovery stuff. There's going to be a sneak peek of lower decks. We probably haven't seen that. Right. Cause uh, oh, okay. there'll probably be a little, like a little, you know, just some stuff we, from the next eight episodes. Right. Well, I'm going to watch for sure. Yeah. That's it for Star Trek day stuff. A quick update on strange new worlds. The, Nielsen ratings for the last week of the show came out and it showed up on the chart again for the top 10 streaming original shows. So, you know, just in general, Strange New Worlds did very well from at least from the Nielsen metrics. Especially the musical. Just saying. I think their two episodes got up to number seven. The finale was at uh, or the week of the finale because it really counts. They don't really know what you're watching. They just know you're watching Strange New World. So you could have been watching, you know, season one. They don't really care. But it was me watching the musical and the crossover over and over and over. <laughs> but uh, so the finale week came in at number 10. The previous week with the musical came in at number seven. Right. I think it's good news for Star Trek because it and Picard and, you know, one episode of one of those Taylor Sheridan shows. I suspect the new Zoe Saldana Taylor Sheridan show will show up on this thing when it when. But there's so much content on on Paramount Plus that hasn't shown up on this thing. So the suits are probably paying attention to this stuff. As they're trying to figure out what the hell to do about everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
All right. Well, let's move on to Star Trek Picard because season three is out. Uh, DVD, Blu-ray and Steelbook, right? Yeah. And, and in two flavors, um, you could buy what's called the final season or you could buy the entire series, which includes the final season. Um, and there's a lot of special features. We got an exclusive clip of one of them, which you can see on the site. Yeah, the, there's good special features in this thing. There's some fun Easter eggs hidden in in the uh, Blu-ray set. Matt's working on his full review, which I think will go up on Friday, which is today from your point of view. So you want to check that out. There was a like one of those mini fan controversies that erupted on Twitter that then kind of turned into a few articles. So we ended up having to write about it as well. Well, because people thought there was an unfinished shot on it, but that is not actually the case. Correct? Yes. So, I mean, this is really in the weeds and I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm shocked how many people I would have never spotted this. So in the, in episode 10, the season finale, there's an early shot of the USS enterprise. It lasts just a few seconds and some people who watch the show on Paramount Plus noticed that there's a flyby shot that looked different than what they saw. And um, it had but, a nebula. Right. I mean, I would have never noticed that. They're like, where's my nebula? My nebula is gone. Yeah. So, I mean, look, good for like, that's good eagle eye spotting. I'm not actually not making fun of them. I'm impressed that they noticed. But, you know, Matt sort of like, remembered, oh, wait, but this actually happened in April and so there were two versions of the shot one because the show is, was also on Amazon prime internationally. And there was a, you know, they, there's, it's an alternate shot. It's not a bad shot. It's just slightly different. And apparently for the Blu-rays, I don't know why this alternate shot that was in the international version shown on prime video. And uh, yeah, it, you know, our sources are saying it was kind of a last minute change that ended up on Paramount, but didn't end up on prime. But it's not like this glaring temp shot error that some people have made it out to be. It's just a tiny little alternate shot. And that's all it is. <laughs> but it got people talking. People were got buzzing. People, people were buzzing. Because, you know, got to talk about something. Um, no, and look, it is Star Trek fans notice things. You got to be careful. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to belittle. I, I'm impressed that people notice yeah, yeah, this stuff. But then to kind of get bent out of shape about right, it. Right, it's the getting <laughs> mad about it part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, really? Anyway, good set. But if you want to wait, next month they're putting out this ridiculously big box set of Picard, you know, all of Next Gen, um, all of Picard and all sorts of just stuff like playing cards and coasters and in this big box that costs, I forget, like $200 or something. I was like going to say a million dollars. <laughs> um, I'll take the coasters, please. <laughs> okay. I'll, they sent me the coasters in a, I oh. got a box shaped like a board cube as a promotional thing, which we put up on our Twitter. So we could link to that in the show notes and that included the coasters. So if you want them, you can have them. Yeah, I want them. All right. They're yours. Awesome. We also have up on the site a preview of this new book that is out now, right? Came out on Tuesday. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, The Making of the Classic Film. So, Tony, did you do the interview with the authors? Yeah. The, the Chinudos? So, but they did, the, they are known for very meticulous research and they spent a lot of time digging into the Nicholas Meyer paper collection at the University of Iowa. They made good use of it. <laughs> And they're these guys, they, you know, the, they've been writing about Star Trek for a long, long, long time. So I'm looking forward to reading this one. Yeah, there's archive interviews, but there's also new interviews, including interviews with Meyer. There's a lot of rare um, and first time, you know, photography and stuff. So it's a coffee table book. It's full color. It's like a, it's about a one foot square. Titan has, has been doing great stuff in the last few years. My other friend, Jeff Bond, uh, wrote the Star Trek, the motion picture book which came out last year, the year before, same, it's same kind of deal. So if you saw that, this is basically just as good. It's just for a different movie. Yep. We have a review coming out soon from Joe who writes comic reviews for our site. Yes. So you can look forward to that. And other things he's a, uh, uh, Joe's going to work on, we're going to do some theory articles like we did during Picard when we were oh, doing fun. Our, who's the face theory thing. So we're going to work. Oh yeah. We're going to do who's the mystery threat theory things. Or I like lower it. Decks. 
All right, go Joe. You know, that's pretty much it for the news, but I think that's good because we have two episodes of Star Trek to deal with. Yeah. Let's start off with talking about episode 401. All right. I think it's time for us to review the very first episode of season four of Lower Decks. Are you ready? Totally. So we are going to talk about Tuvix. In case you didn't notice, it's a Voyager-related episode. It says nope. spelled differently. Yes. So that people won't get so that they won't get confused. You won't have to go to Memory Alpha to go which one was which. This one's spelled Tuvix with a T-W-O. Uh, the episode was written by Mike McMahon. It was directed by Jason Zurich and Barry J. Kelly, who we who you spoke to last week. Yeah. So it's all it's all covered. I mean, I think Mike has written the season premiere for every season. So that makes sense. Well, he's very good at it. <laughs> there, you know, there, there's some and you can see some similarities and some callbacks to his other previous season premieres in this not only the kind of huge amount of easter eggs he likes to do that but just little things you know like the callback to how if something like this is happening you know one of us is going to end up covered in slime right right that you know we've already kind of started at a high level you know this episode was written for you it was so you loved it i felt like it was written for me i like the expression on my face while i was watching was like a little kid who's waiting for their ice cream cone (laughs) <laughs> like I was just so excited, like, and just even the beauty shots of Voyager, like everything. I loved it. Yes. Episode for me. I'm picturing the treehouse of horror where Homer's in hell at the machine that feeds him donuts. <laughs> <laughs> that's you is like more Voyager yes. references are being fed into you. And you're like, more, 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 more. more. Love it. Love it. <laughs> love it. Can't get enough. Yeah. I mean, I loved it too. The Voyager references, I think, were great. But, you know, for me, it's just, it was funny and it had a lot of heart and some really good character stuff. And there were some issues I had with the season three. And I think you and I shared this. So the season three finale, where things were buttoned up a little bit too neatly, mm-hmm. you know, with the Mariner and Boimler storyline, right. where Mariner's like, she's like back to yeah, everything's Everything's fine. great. You know, so the Mariner Boimler, who are the heart of the show, obviously, and their story in this episode was quite tense, you know, and there were some big issues going on with them as characters. And it was all sort of looking back on that season finale and Boimler's issues with guilt and stuff. So I'm glad they picked up on that storyline instead of just moving on entirely. I thought there was great character stuff in this. And also, I think in addition to being about Voyager and the very famous moral debate, which they just put such a good spin on. It was also very much about fandom. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the, the curator. Voiced by Andy Richter, which was great. Very cool. Yeah, for sure. He was kind of a stand in for fandom. Don't touch that. Right. You know, he, he used a phrase that's very because like collectors will c- call something screen used yep. um, to mean real. And, and uh, he had he, he would say things like that so he was very much a proxy for fandom and a bit of you know the over obsessiveness about keeping things pure and clean but he had his own little arc yes where he kind of came to accept the changes and and embrace uh you know and adding to his you know, to the to the museum exhibit at the end, which I thought was very right, which is sweet. adding. You know, I hate to use these expressions, but adding new Trek to old Trek, <laughs> right? Right. He, because he had the end. We're already at the end of the episode. Okay, we're done. But um, where he <laughs> at, where they added uh, Rutherford and Boimler to the exhibit. So if that's not a stand in, you know, it's telling you like these things can all live together. Yeah, they added a little bit of canon to Voyager story as Lower Decks itself just added. Um, now, we know that this ship ends up at the museum um, because they right. – in 20, 20 years later. Um, but it had to start somewhere or it went to Earth. They landed it and then it's going to go to a space – It's going to orbit space station. or something, yeah. And then they're going to take it to Geordi's uh, museum. Right, it. the fleet museum. And he was shown to be a little bit – like when, when Mariner was calling him out, there was I think that that, that was another kind of meta moment because he added the holodeck projectors to the right. corridors. The hollow emitters, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, what's that? That's not canon, essentially, is what she was saying. Right. That's not canon. 
and he's saying, well, you know, it's it, you know, and uh, made for a better and, and experience. She, yeah. So, you know, backing up, that's when they were all running away from if you were to just pick three random villains or, you know, or not villains, but people to turn into villains. I thought those were three great choices, which was Chaotica, the clown, the Mike, the Michael McKeon clown. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then Michael Sullivan. Sullivan. Yeah. Well, I loved because as soon as I saw them, I went, wait, the clown wasn't a holodeck character. And then like five minutes later, Mariner goes, the clown isn't a holodeck character. And then she likes Michael Sullivan because he's kissing her and he's all cute and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, I like this guy. <laughs> yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? <laughs> so I thought once things started going with Voyager, I'm like, oh, well we're going to see the doctor or Neelix or something, right? We're going to get a cameo because that's what they do on this show, but they didn't. And well, if you don't consider the macrovirus a cameo, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) And not only that, just so many other little things, robot versions of the salamanders, Neelix's um, cheese. (laughs) (laughs) There were little literal stand-ins. There are mannequins. There was a seven mannequin, a Neelix mannequin, a Tuvok Janeway mannequin. So they all had mannequins. But I'm glad because the ship itself was a cameo. And any cameo, you know, if they brought in Picardo, which would have been great, but it would be too much about bringing in Picardo unless it was for like three seconds, which would might have been kind of funny if they like turned on the EMH. And then like turn them, them off right immediately. Right. <laughs> I mean, it would have been, I assume they couldn't do it for money reasons and probably not worth it. But imagine if Michael McKeon had come back to voice the clown and Martin Rayner to do Chaotica, that would have been fun. Yeah. It was unnecessary for those. Yeah, um, it was, but it, it would have been fun. But I guess if I was looking where to spend my money, maybe that's not where I'd spend it. I mean, they did bring back the people there's the the Klingons at the end were voiced by the same people. Yep. They have so many guest stars. In fact, we haven't talked about her at all. Talun is technically a guest star. And you had Paul Shear, Carl Tart, Paul F. Tompkins. And so they have their big kind of stock of guest stars, you know, it, 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 uh, Nolan North, obviously. So maybe that, yeah, like there's just not room to bring in more than that. Yeah. Perhaps. No, I get it. And Andy Richter was kind of a big get in my book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're going to have one guest star, then that's the new character. I don't know. I mean, who voiced – I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Paul Shear who voiced Tillips. Tillips. <laughs> <laughs> what was great about Tillips was Tillips had agency, was a real character and a great blend like Tuvix, the character – of the two characters, I thought. Yeah. Kind of went evil, but for good reason. Well, went evil after reading Janeway's solution. <laughs> I love all of that. Like, I'll just, you know, for the captain. And she's like, I'm just going to find out what Captain Janeway did. And then we'll do the same thing because she, she doesn't know. And then she's like, <laughs> I hope Tillips doesn't read this. And then, uh-oh. But I love because... I'm one of those people who thinks Janeway was right 100%. Like, I love those debates. They're constantly happening still all these years later on social media. So I personally am on the Janeway is right bandwagon. But what they did was they escalated this. They're like, okay, so first created something with agency, then created something with a bad plan that was trying to do bad things to everybody, and then merging everybody, and then one big giant human meatball at the end, at which point your moral decision is now easy. Well, yeah, even Tendi, who was immediately obviously against any mur- straight up murdering of people, right? You know, which the word murder was used quite a bit sure. in this episode, because of course the other side of it was Talin, who had her own little arc in this episode, but Talin immediately her her first was to, to not call Tillips a person, but. Uh, a, an organism right to not to don't get to know him that was the general idea <laughs> right don't give it a name right. kind of like you know someone who lives on a farm you know tells right. their kids don't give you know don't give them don't names, give the piglets right? names <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about Talin as a, introducing Talin as a character something we talked about last week um with barry kelly and 
I agree. She adds exactly 10% more humor to the show. <laughs> yes, I would agree. She had, she had great lines and great moments. And I like that she and Tendi had to learn from each other because Tendi's trying to prove like friendship is important and Talyn is disregarding all of this and then does see why it's important and does learn to appreciate Tendi. But also just her her reaction to everything because Tendi's the polar opposite jumping around with so much energy and then this very dry I loved when she said this ship is outdated and smells like Borg <laughs> it probably does um, well and we know Vulcans have a, a highly developed sense of smell yeah did she not have her nose plugs in <laughs> um, maybe Borg you know smell penetrates what does it say about Tendi that she just decided Talyn is her best friend suddenly? Because, <laughs> you know, there's nothing, you know, she's not getting anything back. At the end, she kind of did, even though Talyn still said, you're taking away the wrong right. lesson from this when she gets the hug. Because I think Talyn's going to be on a long path. But at least she was, I mean, the key turn for Talyn is she admitted she's only there until she could get her old job back. Right. You know, because I thought when Talyn joined the crew, she's going to be like, oh, thank God. I, you know, those Vulcans were the worst. They were driving me crazy. But it kind of makes more sense that she feels rejected by them. Right. And let's face it, when she was on that ship, she wasn't really doing anything that crazy when they kept accusing her of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all subtle nuances with the Vulcans, I guess. I certainly hope this season we see those Vulcans again. We get to see her progression and how she deals with her former captain. I bet eventually she gets the chance to join them again, and she decides not well, to. Well, she'll try it and not like it. Because if you notice, she was called a provisional ensign, and then she was promoted to a provisional. Yeah, that was fast. Lieutenant, but she, they're using that kind of weird pin that they made for the Maquis. So I guess this is for guest officers yeah, you know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but i think eventually you know maybe eventually she'll become a member of starfleet but she's technically not starfleet right so who was your favorite hybrid i mean i mean of the other ones like tillips was like a full character but then they had some kind of crazy combinations as well i know they were all so fast though and then soon enough it was everybody but why did you have i didn't have a favorite but did you have a favorite <laughs> well, I, I like the one of Steve Stevens and, and Matt the <laughs> well, way home. That one didn't. Not my best work. as they, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That one didn't go so well. No, and I actually thought it was genuinely scary when Talyn and Tendi are hanging out. And then all of a sudden, like, people start getting dragged out and they're getting th made into combinations. Like, that was creepy. Yeah, it was. So the, the, the Miglamo Captain Freeman one was fun. <laughs> I was surprised that that character then didn't have another thing to say for the rest of the episode though because you'd think she seemed very cool yeah she was doing some a little bit of bossing around later i guess tillips was driving the show and you had shacks combined with the um the trill that that's uh, who i thought i was like i think it's that trill but i wasn't sure it's the trill that rutherford went on a date yeah. on in like the first season yeah. and um yeah and then i think it just became the blob right because when Tillin which I liked, like, Talyn was sure she was doing the right thing, but she kind of screwed yes. up. Yes. Right. So Talyn, you know, like many other Vulcans, is not perfect. Right. Smart, but but makes mistakes, right. which no is good. No one needed that combination with Tendi. Yeah. But Talyn's like, oh, these Starfleet systems, no problem. Well, the smart and thing then... was definitely, like, at least, you know, getting every, you know, getting everybody the hell out of there. But it was just that they all ended up. Denying access to the transporter. Yeah was key it it was combining them all into the one meat blob that was the bit of <laughs> a mistake big <laughs> <laughs> oh the other one was lundy and the bartender which oh, i thought yeah. was funny and random <laughs> but just deciding who was gonna do it oh so it was like menacing and hilarious at the same time which is a challenging combination I mean, it could have been fun for him to see, like, like go mad scientist and like, ooh, what would we, you know, like creating cocktails? Like, what if we tried three people, right. you know, and see what we well, get? Well, then they found out um, what happened when they tried everybody. But, yeah. I mean, but that was a great escalation of the Tuvix debate because it does, to me, it shows people like, well, there's a line somewhere. 
right? <laughs> like, okay, so right. maybe some people go, well, you can't kill Tuvix because, I mean, the original Tuvix, because it's a new creature. Okay, so what happens when someone's doing it to everybody? Okay, what happens when everybody, like, it's just the best what if I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, they kind of come down hard on Janeway, but then they're like, Janeway was hardcore and she was in the Delta Quadrant. And she didn't have any other choices. Freeman was right. It's like, we're not in the Delta Quadrant. We don't have to decide now. We could, you know, ask the experts, bring them to Earth. Right. No, and unfortunately, I was just gonna say, there was not enough time. As Ransom says, it's Voyager. Shit got freaky. Like, I love the acknowledgement that all this really weird stuff happened on Voyager. <laughs> yeah. I think this was a good episode for Ransom because Boimler's arc was he didn't want to take the promotion from Ransom. Ransom was kind of getting pissed at him for his attitude. I think he's showing what a good commander he is, especially how he treated Mariner. I think he was good last season with Mariner and his whole thing of I'm not going to do what other commanders have done because she doesn't want the promotion because this is obviously not. I mean, we saw her promoted once before. And she said it's happened before. So she has a series of promotions and devotions in her past. And he's like, I'm going to be the one that breaks through. I'm going to be the commander who gets you to not get immediately demoted. And then he still makes it about how great he is. And then admires his own reflection in the pip. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then starts um, doing crunches or pull-ups. Which gets her to leave, which I assume was the objective. (laughs) But Ransom could have easily devolved into a one-note meathead character, yeah. and he hasn't. He's, he's smart. I love to see – there's just a little tiny thing with him and Kayshawn where he spoke a little to Marion. Yes. And he's like, I pay attention. <laughs> yeah. He's multicultural, yeah. you know. And I think we're going to see more of this. I think they're setting something up because obviously what he's saying is I'm not going to let you get demoted. So he's going to obviously be keeping his yeah, eye on her yeah, yeah, yeah. like he did last season. Well, that season. relationship is fun. The two of them. There's always one of them who doesn't want to have anything to do with the other one. And it has switched back and forth. What was your favorite Voyager gag of all the Voyager gags? Oh my God. They were so, I was so trying to decide which I liked the best because there were so many. It's very hard. <laughs> Like I was t- probably somewhere between the cheese because it was right. such a nice callback and the <laughs> Michael Sullivan. I like the robot salamander because the robot salamander kind of got around, right. right? It was started in his exhibit. Then it got borgified. Yes, it did get borgified. It, it took command of the ship. Actually, It did. It was sitting point. in the chair very happily. <laughs> And it, it would it would issue commands using its tongue, his little robot and tongue. And it was sending them, to, it was going to Borg space. That's where it wanted to go, to go find some more Borgs. Well, that's what Borgs do. Yeah. By the way, you know, whoever put this museum together really left some dangerous stuff. I mean, they should have done another pass. There was nanobots, Borg nanobots, and Macrovirus. Yes. What else is hiding her in that Right, ship well, that somewhere? was part of the point, too, because he was being so fussy and meticulous, but he'd actually completely screwed it up. So getting back to the character, so we've got, so Boimler eventually broke through and was excited about his promotion once he got through his issue with Mariner and his little loss of confidence from last season. And Tendi's excited about getting a promotion. Mariner's not, but then we end with, uh, I thought it was weird how they ended with Rutherford not being promoted, but we're going to talk about that in the next episode because they released two in the same day. Right. And he's like, I, they don't give engineers promotions for breaking things. That's what he said. <laughs> oh, but he got, he got an exhibit. He, he would know that, you know, he broke it for good reason. Yes. I mean, that was funny when Boimler goes into astrometrics. I mean, there's so many great sets that remade from the Voyager and, and they're all up on the wall, slimed on the wall. And uh, he grabs Rutherford. He's like, I only need an engineer. And he, he leaves, he leaves, um, Ransom and Kayshawn stuck to the wall. They were pissed. Um, but uh, he's like, I need you to break the ship. And he did. Right. So that was good with the cheese. <laughs> with Neelix's cheese. <laughs> well, but there, and, but they, you know, it's, there's a detail like, you know, the curator mentioned, yes, we have an exhibit of the cheese, which means they had a sample of the cheese. Right. So the solution to both of the problems were subtly inserted early because Tendi's solution 
was what looked like a throwaway joke when Tillips was in sick bay saying, you know, I love being alive, yeah. you know, it was kind of the joke. <laughs> but he also took a tricorder and fixed it, right? And it was that tricorder later that could detect personality oh, traits. Oh, right, he improved the scanning on the tricorder. Yeah. yeah, that joke was enough on its own. Well, because it came, it was right, like Tendy says, Tillips didn't ask to be cre- didn't ask to be created. And then one second later, he's like, I love being alive. Because <laughs> yeah, we're all going, we know yeah, where this is Yeah, we headed, know there's you know? no, yeah. That shows you, again, Mike is very careful about his episodes and knows how to plant things and then pick up on them later. Right, it's not just a string of jokes. It's just not. Everything is is rich and layered and goes back to where you started. There's something we haven't talked about much, but there was the, another wage douge reference in this, and that gets into the season arc. Right. Because we can return to the Klingon bird of prey from wage douge. And we saw two of the characters, kind of the lower decks characters and the, the captain who's or who used to be lower decks, but is now captain of the ship. I, th- I think what's interesting is there was no connection, right? So this is just happening somewhere right. else. So as eventually they're going to get connected. Um, but when we, after we finish the next episode, which had another one of these little sidebars, as it were, maybe we could talk about some of our guesses as to what's going on with that overarching story. But I liked how, yes, there, you know, as, as Barry said, there's more of an overarching story story, but it's not, it's kind of, I guess being done in these little sidebars. Well, that's how I want it done. So that made me happy because I was like, it's just a little bit. And then I assume it'll build up and then the pieces will come together. I like that. It was very um, Star Trek, the motion picture ish in mood and tone when that happened. And I love the (laughs) cease that nervous honing because of the, (laughs) (laughs) and spear is a, the spear is a coward's weapon. All that stuff was great. So it's like, even as they're, they're still giving you like a, the giant story and then the little mini story and then the jokes. Yeah, no, that was all. Yeah, it was great Klingon stuff. They're fighting and they stop and like, you want to go eat some eyeballs? Yeah. You know, it's all <laughs> having <great>. to transcribe <laughs> tedious battle tales. <laughs> yeah. Life on board a Klingon ship. That's, that's what it's like. What it is. Yeah, I've got nothing else. Uh, I thought everything was great. Perfect restart on the characters. We can now sense arcs coming for these promoted characters, but the show is as good as it was, if not better. I think because there were times that season three dragged a little bit. I'm now feeling even more excited about. Yeah, season I mean, four. I was completely invigorated by this one, not just because it was Voyager, but because the pace was so good. There was so much going on all the time, and it all tied together. All right, so let's turn our attention to episode two of season four. With an excellent Star Trekky title, I have no bones yet. I must flee. Very TOS, but also um, certainly, I think, as you noted, tied to Harlan Ellison. Yeah, his. If you have not read, I have no mouth and I must scream. You should. It's a weird, creepy, terrifying story. So, what's your big picture view of this episode? Well, firstly, I want to say, you know that even though I'm glad they released two episodes on one day, and a lot of people watch them back to back. I did like strange new worlds. You shouldn't watch the show that way because it's episodic and it forces comparison. So I'm going to use a comparison when I shouldn't because it's unfair. Yeah. I, I liked it very much, but I like the opening one better, but watching them back to back kind of, because you start seeing some of the structural things that they do with these shows. And we'll talk more about that later. There's like the little writing tricks they use and it, it becomes more apparent when you're watching them back to back. No, I, I very much liked it. It's, you know, it's certainly less reliant on canon connections and a, and a better, I feel, character story. So uh, I think it's it's a good, solid, funny, kooky episode of Lower Decks. I just liked the first one a little bit better. Yeah, so I didn't watch them back to back. I watched the first one and then a few days later I watched the second one. And I felt the same way. The Look, I'm a huge Voyager fan. So of course that first one just hit all the right notes for me. I liked this one. I thought it was good. It wasn't as good, but it had a lot of good stuff in it. And I thought it it really did focus on the characters and, and I think tell us important things about them and was very true to who they are and sort of what some of their weaknesses are. At my first viewing, I was annoyed at the character of Mariner who, who seemed to have 
regressed because Mariner's constantly evolving and learning and getting better. But she like just completely regressed in this episode. But then I realized that's kind of the point. You know, she was was being extra Mariner on purpose because of her misunderstanding or miscommunication. And her history. Right. Because I want to, you know, I mean, the whole point of the season, or maybe not the point, but so much of the season is about how they're being, how they've been promoted. And which means they, these characters are learning and growing and evolving. But in a way, this episode was trying to hit home. Yes, they are now all lieutenants, especially by the end. But that doesn't mean they're not lower decks. They're still lower decks. They're still underdogs. I mean, the Boimler story was great just to show how, you know, you, you know, he's the Rodney Dangerfield of the ship. He, you know, it's just things never work out for him. He gets no respect, uh, although it did work out in the end. Uh, uh, but uh, becoming a lieutenant wasn't exactly this great moment for him, at least from his housing point of view. Right. So, <laughs> no, and I think the whole episode in terms of our characters was really about how they all get how three of them primarily get in their own way which is Rutherford, Mariner, and Boimler. They're all, their problems were all sort of caused by themselves. They're self-sabotagers uh, yeah. in their own in their own ways, for sure. Like, you know, and Tendy had to take charge for Rutherford. She had to step up and be like, listen, first she's bossing him, she ordered him around. But I love that she was, just, he's going, oh, you can't get a promotion because it's so complicated. And she's like, hey, can he have a promotion? Sure. <laughs> Pimp me. And there you go. I very much I, I preferred that storyline. First of all, Eugene doesn't get enough to do on the show. I've always felt, yeah, and, and he's very funny. And the the whole thing of from the beginning, it, it, it was testing his eternal optimism. The the sunny, yeah, you know, like at that one time where he goes, he goes, I want to g- get back to where we could uh, compliment people behind their backs. Yes, they want to praise people behind their backs. He's so like in the beginning, he's like, well, I'll just get a promotion. No problem. Today, uh, he failed to mention an important thing. But his plan of the incremental make a tiny incremental improvement was funny because in the end, you know, they reminded us he's had some major engineering accomplishments that have saved the day multiple times. Yes. Uh, And he's been offered promotions for many of these in the past. So, you know, his whole side quest of if I could get one pico cochrane out of this or that i love there was so much techno babble in his storyline i loved that um and he's got a, a nemesis now he does livick he's so mad at him but now livick is mad at him and tendy i'm wondering right. if that's gonna be a thing i know i love that he threw tendy in there too i hope we see livick again i don't want to see gary again <laughs> The only thing I liked about Gary was that it was the guy from Abbott Elementary doing the voice. Sure. Which I watch Abbott Elementary and I love it. So, but he was not super needed. I got to say like they needed someone to react to what was going on, but it was so obvious that that was the only reason he was there. He was like a bad copy of Boimler of season one Boimler, you know, to to be a reaction for her. Why? Why not bring someone we know? Yeah, I mean, they needed someone who would be scared and was green and new. So, but still, but they did have Moopsie. So there's that. No notes on Moopsie. Moopsie was perfect. (laughs) Moopsie was, Moopsie had a little bit of Nibbler from Futurama vibe because when they, the first episode with Nibbler, Nibbler devours animals like giant things like they put they put nibbler in the cargo hold with all these animals and nibbler eats all the animals. i think everything right so <laughs> but but <laughs> moopsie saying moopsie was excellent nibbler isn't terrifying when it does it nibbler's still cute even when devouring yes. whereas Mo- moopsie gets briefly terrifying yes. <laughs> And and the drinking of the bones is 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 even worse than than just eating something. So yeah, I loved when Moopsie was out, and you know the Pytherian swamp gobblers were terrified. Everyone was terrified. And, you know, Baroner's like, what? He's adorable. Uh, so right, but the gobblers just gobble. Moopsie drinks your bones. 
Exactly. I mean, maybe that is the connection to the Harlan Ellison story. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, and Moopsie, I loved when Moops, I don't know what gender Moopsie is, if Moopsie has a gender, but Moopsie flinging itself at the doors also so cheerfully <laughs> and menacingly was perfect. Yeah, I don't think Moopsie feels pain in any way or possibly enjoys it. You know, one of the things that for this storyline, it was kind of predictable, like the Mariner thing was clearly a miscommunication from the beginning. So I, I never bought that Ransom was out to get her. And you know, when you showed up on the station, it, it was clear that the humans were behind releasing Moopsie. Uh, you could see the poster. They were Shawshanking out of their cell because it was upside <laughs> down from the beginning. And just there was a lot of this. And this is you know one of the issues of watching them back to back is the thing of where you have all this character conflict. And then one of the characters says, well, this is what I was thinking. And then it was like, well, no, actually it's this. And, and then all the character conflict goes away because of this miscommunication, which is kind of like Boimler in episode one and Mariner had a very similar thing. And so it's almost like using the exact same structure, which again is why I shouldn't have watched them back to back. Cause right. it's like, it's like, Oh, you just did the same exact trick writing trick you know 20 minutes ago and it's maybe better if it was if i didn't do that so that's unfair of me perhaps but this show does do that a lot for sure which is a a standard sitcom thing that's kind of how sitcoms work to be honest is these kind of character conflicts creating humor through miscommunication but i did like that where the miscommunication happened was when during the exercise session with Shax and Ransom doing as uh, as our friend Yerk pointed out on Twitter um, doing the exact same not only wearing the same outfits as Troy and Crusher but actually doing identical moves and having you know a similar like their conversation was just about other people and women and it was just funny and afterwards they channeled a bit more of Troy where they were going for Sundays, because it was cheat day. Yes, cheat day. I mean, I think they're going somewhere. I hope they're going somewhere with Shax, because there's a D story here with Shax and how he's kind of getting sick and tired of how insane uh, Dr. Tana is, you know, with just in, in the relationship in general and her just crazy hologram Role playing games where she's clearly unhinged. I mean, she's she, got, <laughs> she needs but, to talk to Doctor Miglamo. I think. But I did. I laughed out loud when he said she wouldn't come out from under the bed. And then Ransom goes, "Did you try scratching your fingers on the covers?" And going, pss, 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 pss. <laughs> he's like, "Of course I have." Like it was so good. <laughs> but yes, I think he's starting to feel, you know, maybe a little that things are getting crazier than he wanted them to be. There is a wedding apparently this season. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up marrying these two characters sometime oh, this season. Oh, right. There is a big wedding. You know, so maybe they get through this thing uh, where she goes into the Robin Hood simulator and kills Robin Hood. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, whoa, things get dark with her. That's for sure. Well, she started dark. She's always been dark. Although, um, Boimler did have a good point. Who puts a room between two holodecks? I mean, seriously. Yeah. And, and they need thicker walls, that's for sure. <laughs> I liked um, Freeman's fantasy in the holodeck was that she was the president of all Starfleet. Which isn't a thing. Right. right? Although, But that was all we got of her in this whole episode, I think. Do we even see her? We heard no, her we didn't. the that wall. That was my only real complaint about this episode was that I missed her. Yeah. Ransom, as you know, with the last episode, is... I think becoming a more important character, which is kind of how, I mean, if the way a ship works, the captain's always at a kind of a higher level and most of the lower decks deal more with the first officer anyway. No. And he's looking out for everybody. He's looking out for Mariner. He's looking out for Shax. He was looking out for Kayshawn in the last episode. I feel like he's, you know, he's, he's being a real first officer these days. But the captain is also Mariner's mom and we're really, not getting much more of how that relationship is evolving, though we get a little, we had a nice moment in episode one when they both agreed about the Romulans. The Romulans, yeah. Yeah, so that they're on the same wavelength. We skipped over it, but let's talk about the Romulans. So I, just watching it, the one thing I noticed in the debris is that it's just ship debris. 
Right. Well, uh, yeah. You know, before we get to that, I love just the Romulans, you know, and like all the the plots and the intrigues and the assassinations. And the It was so over the top. But Venta, I mean, it was, you know, wiping off the Riemann juice. They leave the biggest mess. <laughs> exactly. But yes. So we're going to start working on these theory things. I've only seen two episodes. So we have, you know, we did this thing on the site. One of our contributors, Ian. Hello, Ian. Ian Robertson from the UK. Hi, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) He's seen all eight. I've only seen two. Same. I will be watching three soon. But before I do, I do want to work with Joe because my my theory is they're not killing anyone. Is that where you're going with the? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That that white beam is some kind of transporter beam. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Sucking everyone off the ships. Because I feel like we would have seen, I don't know, uniforms, something that indicated people. Apparently, there's only one life form. I'm, you know, I'm going to go 90% chance it's evil Boimler or, you know, the Boimler clone working for Section 30, working for Section 31. And so that's a Section 31 ship. Maybe Badgie is with him because we know Badgie is part of the season. And the the post credit scene from season three finale had Badgie being captured. Right. Oh, you know, I just I mean, this is a minor tiny thing but the, uh, there was a fun easter egg in the romulan thing um which is that ship if you've noticed looked like a bird of prey i'm sorry looked like a standard romulan warbird but sideways right right there was actually andrew probert uh sketched out an idea for that you know way back in early next gen and you know someone on mike's team found that and said sure you know let's yeah make i that- love it I love that they do that stuff. They're doing yeah. it with ships. They're doing it with care. It's so much fun. All the yeah. all the experimentation is great. But yeah, it's it's fun. I'm, but I'm still glad that these are sidebars. These are not. This is just you know. The, this time they did it at the beginning of the episode. Last time they did it at the end of the episode. But I'm glad that they're they're not yet doing you know tying it into our characters. I think I think you know within a few episodes. Starfleet, or you know, they're going to get briefed on it. Someone's going to start hearing about it, and then yeah. yeah. But this is fine. I'm I I'm enjoying what we got. The Menage, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) A lot a lot of Menage jokes, which is back to the you know main actual episodes. Right. I like the idea that these places are constantly accidentally scooping up humans, (laughs) and then Starfleet has to go get them. Well, apparently there's a oddly a lot of them because (laughs) this one was. In the top 1,000, yeah. uh, uh, you know, from the quadrant or from the sector or whatever, you know. So there's a lot of menageries. There's a lot of space zoos. Menages. Menages. <laughs> <laughs> With, hum- you know, humans captured in, 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 in a few of them. The most dangerous game, according to um, Ransom. Right. <laughs> which was an episode where Boimler was hunted. I feel like I've re- just rewatched that one recently. The last episode was the Firehose of Voyager connections. This episode, I mean, I wouldn't call it a firehose, but the connections were mostly back to Lower Decks itself. You know, so when when Ransom was talking about like how he's a good boss, Mariner starts throwing things back at him. All the things he's done <laughs> in previous seasons. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, which are all references to different episodes. There was a lot of that with Rutherford's storyline of mentioning all these things that he's done. Of course, Boimler's box was full of little oh, yeah. Easter eggs to Lower Decks itself. Although he did one thing because he was talking to it. He had a mirror archer doll. Yes. <laughs> And I, you know, this shows you how weird I am. My first thought was, how does he know Mirror Archer ever wore that? Yeah. So I've seen people saying that already. <laughs> you are not the only one who had that thought. I'm glad I I am. Um, you know, not that that's a deal killer for me in any way, but I'm just like, I'm curious. How would he know? How does anyone know? But perhaps that information came because we know that there were mirror universe incursions throughout the 24th century, all on DS nine, never on TNG. Uh, so maybe mirror Kira, uh, you know, uh, revealed that fact to someone or, sure. or something still, you know, fun. I love that everywhere he went, he set up his little action figures. 
I thought even <laughs> when he was just when he was in the Jeffrey's tube, he yeah. still he still had them set up there. Yeah. And now to add to Jeffrey's tube lore, we have the Tucker tube and the Billups tube. Right, which is I mean that prop is a famous prop. We've seen it a lot. We've seen it on everything, and there was a very funny gag in Airplane Two where. Chatner was like, what does this thing do? You know, which was referenced by Billups. He's like, I don't know what that thing does, but I love it. But there's a, like, there's a super cut on the internet of this prop, which has been in like every Trek show and other sci-fi movies. It's, it's, it's something you can rent out in LA and uh, use it in your movie. So that's, a, that was a very deep cut, but they gave it a name. They called it the Tucker tubes, but now it was replaced with the Billups tubes where there's with three the of third them. tube. And they don't even know what the third tube does. Right. So Trip Tucker gets a brief moment of glory, and then it gets taken away by Livick. Yeah. That guy. Hate that ruining, guy. He's ruining everything. Yeah, he's the worst. Actually, he's you know, obviously a very good engineer, you know? and uh, But that's the thing of testing the optimism of Rutherford is he's, like, getting angry at this guy who's just a smart engineer. Who's you know, doing he's the not- same thing he's doing. I like that Rutherford and Boimler are still going to share quarters. That's nice. With Denty. New Denty. Denty too. Yeah, right? his, a new his... Denty. I'm glad yeah. there's always a Denty. But I think it's nice because that's we need we need some people sharing quarters. Yeah. So will Mariner and Tendi do the same? Or maybe Tendi and Talin. I mean, we didn't get any Talin in this episode. And again, this is watching them back to back. I loved the inclusion of Talin, and then suddenly we're like in a Talin free zone. Um, and as Barry Kelly said on this very podcast, Talin makes every episode 10% funnier. I felt like we were missing Talin, but it makes sense because you wanted to get back to that classic Rutherford Tendy yeah. dynamic in this thing, you know, because they have such a great dynamic, you know, but, they, you know, they should have given Talin to have her go with Mariner. Maybe that would have been an interesting angle. There was a reason they didn't, obviously. They could have. Yeah, you know. I, d- I don't think they needed her in this, even though I really like her. I don't think she was needed in this one. No. I think that would have just been trying to come up with stuff for her to do, to fit it in. Yeah. When they had yeah. a pretty complete episode as it was. Yeah, I mean, she is just a guest star, not in the main cast, but hopefully we get a good amount with her. But, you know, it's hard because, you know, we don't get a lot of the bridge crew. I'm hoping we get a. As much of her as we do of Ransom, as opposed to someone like Steve Stevens or Miglamo. Right. You know, who are both, you know, fun characters themselves. I assume Steve Stevens was was returned from being merged with, with Matt. <laughs> Matt <laughs> and we won't get Plant Guy again, Naj, because he got moopsied. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was. Again, you know, two episodes got dark, you know, because Moopsy was eating animals, but uh, you no, know, he was a he was a nice guy running a zoo, and they were, and right before he had had his, well, he I don't know if he had bones, but whatever was sucked out of him, they were accusing him of letting Moopsy go, right? Because he didn't have, they said he didn't have bones. <laughs> <laughs> so his last, you know moment in life was having to defend himself against a false accusation and then that horrible thing happened to him yeah but they just put moopsy back thanks to uh ransom's teeth <laughs> i know was, i feel like it's so hard to review the show because you just want to describe it like you just sit there going and then this happened and that was great so it, <laughs> it's it's a tricky show to review for that reason yeah but i think you know when something's funny and you know when you're caring about something and uh this, this episode, does both at the same time yeah this episode definitely uh did that so when it comes to i have no bones and yet i must flee in the end i'm just saying strong fun good solid episode that was funny and you know a great celebration of lower decks itself but also you know showed us that things are going well for season four yeah, I felt like it was a it's getting us from one place to the next in terms especially in terms of our characters accepting their new roles. Like now we have they're all promoted and they've all accepted what that is going to mean for them. Yeah, with episode 1 when Rutherford wasn't promoted, at first I'm like, well, you know, I don't get that, but I'm now glad that they l- gave 
Rutherford and Eugene more attention to to tell his story. Yeah. Um and him getting the promotion. So um that was actually one of the good things about watching this as a double feature is it like, oh yeah, no, that now I see why this makes sense. So that worked. Right. And Mariner, I think, has accepted her promotion and maybe understands herself a little more because she really did have that moment when she was talking to Ransom where she was like, oh, you know, that whole, I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this in your life where you're like, oh, I did do that. <laughs> I've yeah. had many of them. So <laughs> that was her moment of being like, oh, yeah, I did just I, I did completely sabotage myself and whatever. And so now she's learned something. Boimler's learned, you know, he that I mean that moment when he's he's goes back into the quarters that have the nacelle the glowing and Rutherford <laughs> just goes, Oh, you just gotta adjust this thing. Like he needs to because I as I'm watching, I'm like, oh come on. You know, I know it's lower decks, so I put it in a different category, but you're like, they wouldn't really have quarters that were so horrible. And of course, yeah, no, they wouldn't. They don't. These people work better as as a team, which is mm-hmm. what everything in this episode reinforced although in a way you know mariner made a terrible teammate (laughs) with ensign gary see you know this is why i don't want to see this character again i can't even remember his name um (laughs) with ensign gary uh and and ransom should have called her out more on that like because she was supposed to be a leader helping gary and you know she was not gary but he did. It was all about it was all about the other stuff. And that's what he, yeah. that's what he got to. And then she was ready to sacrifice herself. And he was like, no, just punch out all my teeth instead. Yeah. <laughs> and then she called him gummy at one point. She just <laughs> called him gummy. <laughs> but he got a brand new set of teeth. Yeah, they they looked a little big for his mouth. <laughs> maybe they'll. Yeah, maybe they'll settle in or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she said, you know, he, the veneer had to settle. But yeah, they were very large. <laughs> so I guess that's it for two episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks. And, you know, we're off to a great start because we had two episodes. We're not going to do bits this week. We'll be back next Friday for the news and our review of episode three of season four. All right. We'll see you then. <laughs>